Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast coming at you on Thursday, 14th of September. General advice only, usual rules. Not to be confused with advice suited to your personal financial circumstances. It almost certainly isn't if it's advice at all. Right, the CPI numbers last night. A non-event, it has to be said. We were asking a little bit too much for one CPI number to inject enough nitro into the market to start a new bull market. It certainly hasn't done that, although we seem to be doing okay today. I won't run through all the numbers on the CPI number. They're in the newsletter today, but suffice it to say, the core number did what it was supposed to do. The core number excludes the oil price. So what we've seen is the headline number go up for the first time in months because the oil price went up in August. But the core number, which excludes the oil price, continues to drop away and has dropped from 4.7% to 4.3% in August from July. And that was an okay number and continues to pass the message that inflation is slowly being got on top of. But as you look at inflation over the past decade, you begin to realize running at 4.3% is still too high. The US are going to contain inflation until it gets down to about 2%. And that means no rush to be cutting rates. Some stretchers are now thinking rates will be cut in the second half of next year rather than in the first half. And that certainly doesn't seem to be inspiring any fund managers to dive into the equity market today. As I'm sure you've seen, Wall Street was contained overnight, Dow down 70, whilst the Nasdaq and the S&P up 0.3% and 0.1%. So not bad, not good, and not up to our best expectations, which was to ignite a new bull market. Certainly hasn't happened. So that leaves me wondering just where the momentum is going to come from. I am slightly hopeful because it sometimes does, after a big economic release, it does sometimes take the biggest fund managers sitting in their skyscrapers in New York or London or Hong Kong. Are they still in Hong Kong? Probably not. A couple of days to get their heads around it, a couple of days to have their asset allocation meetings and a couple of days to decide, okay, it's safe in equities. And I think that number does suggest that they are on track with interest rates and on track with getting on top of inflation. So if anything, we might see a bit of optimism in the equity market in the next few days as a result of that CPI number, but it's not obvious clearly immediately. We're holding the long NASDAQ ETF and the FANG ETF. And I was hoping that a good inflation number would inspire buyers in technology. It is an interest rate sensitive sector, but they are reluctant. Either way, the FANG ETF today is up 0.7%, so no damage being done. And the long NASDAQ ETF, LNAS, up 1.9%, so no damage. So we will hang on for the minute. The good news today is the resources sector is doing all right. BHP's up 0.6%, Rio up 1.7%, and Fortescue up 2.8%. I'm looking for some reason for miners to be doing well today. Haven't seen the iron ore price in the Asian session yet, but it was up a touch overnight. And apart from a DRP price announcement on FMG, there's nothing obvious, but they are up now 3% today. So one of the best performers in the top 50. Other little themes was yet again, we do our overnight table and we manually type in the lithium price 
price, lithium price, lithium carbonate price that we used was down another 2.6% overnight, just trending in the wrong direction. And you've got Pilbara Minerals today down again, down 0.9%, not down a lot, but down 0.9%. We've also got a good performance today from banks, ANZ up 1.1%. Happy with the banks. Aristocrat Leisure we hold in our growth portfolio. Citigroup came out with a bit of research today and a buy recommendation. Other things we've seen, the jobs number this morning was stronger than expected. 64,900 jobs created last month. Forecasts were half of that, 23,000, less than half of that. Unemployment stayed at 3.7%. But on the back of that, you'll see the the Aussie dollar has gone a little bit firmer, which suggests to you that it was a strong number. The energy sector's up again today, oil price holding up. Uranium stocks flying again today. Bannerman up 11.4%, Deep Yellow up 9.8%, Boss Energy up 8.3%. I did all the numbers on uranium stocks the other day. There are no fundamentals. It's a risky area. It's uranium price driven. But we've missed a trick here because the uranium price was sitting around 50 US dollars per pound back in March. And since then, it has rallied to $62. And it's up from $55 in a couple of months. So something's going on in the uranium market and the stock's responding. Maya had results today, down 2% on the back of those. That means it's down 1 cent. And that's about that on the news front. On the diary, we've got a European Central... um, I'm just going through the motions now, aren't I? That's what I'm trying to avoid being an information passer. Anyway, passing information to fill the time today. European Central Bank have got a rates decision tonight. US PPI numbers retail sales tonight. We've got ASX index changes announced last week coming into effect tomorrow. And we've got some Chinese industrial production retail sales and US industrial production numbers on Friday, tomorrow night. Ex-dividend today, South 32, 52-week low for them. I did a stock take on them a while ago. They have a very high correlation with the aluminium price. Anything that is not iron ore is in South 32 because they're the assets that BHP bundled off that they didn't want. And aluminium is a big part of it. So they are highly correlated as a share price to the aluminium price, which is going nowhere whilst the iron ore price is doing okay. So South 32 getting left behind by the rest of the resources. It is a fabulous long-term quality stock, though, I have to tell you. But it is a long-term trading stock. You've got to wait for the aluminium price to do something. Anyway, ex-dividend today, and not ex-dividend very much. Car sales, ex-dividend tomorrow. We've got next week a Fed decision on Thursday morning. And the chances of the Fed leaving rates unchanged are now at 97%, up from 93% after the CPI number. So the CPI number being read as a bit dovish. We've got options expiring next week in Australia, and we've got some RBA minutes next Tuesday, Bank of England meeting on Thursday, Bank of Japan meeting next Friday, and the ex-dividend season is running into the buffers. Notable stocks going ex-dividend next week only include Cochlear and Flight Centre. Right, to keep you amused, I have repeated a couple of articles that I've found interesting this morning. One of them was Shane Oliver's 
weekly missive, which was out actually a couple of days ago. But it is about, or he asked the question, whether the RBA has hit peak rates yet. And you can see the article. Whilst the Australian 10-year bond yield is effectively at a nine-year high, it's been slightly higher than that a couple of times in the last year, but there is no material peak in the 10-year bond yield yet. And Shane Oliver's telling us that, or his conclusion is the RBA's cash rate is likely at its peak and that rather than worrying about inflation, the incoming governor, Michelle Bullock, may face the challenge of reviving the economy instead. And they may well leave rates on hold for the rest of the year and potentially implement four rate cuts in 2024 to address economic concerns rather than inflationary concerns. I don't think the jobs numbers today are going to help the RBA cut rates anytime soon, but there you go. The other article I thought was of interest was Livewire does a conference once a year. So it is, it's called Livewire Live. So Livewire Live 2023, I was supposed to go to, was on Tuesday. And one of the things I like that they do is to ask fund managers, most of their customers are fund managers, most of their writers are fund managers, and they ask six fund men or ask six fund managers on Tuesday for shocking predictions. Sometimes these shocking predictions are forced out of fund managers, so they might not have a lot of conviction behind them. I remember a couple of years ago, the prediction was that Tesla would go bust. And as I read this week, one broker is of the opinion that the AI element of Tesla could multiply the company by four times over the next couple of decades. And it certainly hasn't gone bust. So pinch of salt as I read them out to you. Shocking predictions for 2024. You can read this article on their website, but Australian food prices will rise well beyond our expectations. Australia enters the worst corporate default cycle since the GFC and the 1991 recession. God forbid. The international travel boom is about to bust. Does stagger me that everybody I know has been to Europe in the last few months, and yet the currency means a Big Mac in London is about as expensive as anywhere in the world for Australians. Cup of coffee, five or six pounds in the airport. Anyway, the international travel boom is about to bust, apparently, according to one fund manager. Another prediction, superannuation will make Australia the wealthiest nation in the world on a per capita basis. Forced saving, probably right. Another prediction, sticky inflation to collapse and return to the long run average. Hopefully that's right. But this was the interesting one, and this is a bit of objectivity, which I think is probably correct. The end of obesity. And you've probably seen ResMed in our ideas portfolio. Thank you, Henry. Now down 16%. I think I'll put it in the small companies portfolio and let Henry deal with it when he gets back. But ResMed, drifting away day by day. It is, of course, traded on, is it the NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange? traded on the New York Stock Exchange. In a very short period of time, since the 1st of August, it's dropped from $225 down to $145. That's a 35% fall now. Henry caught the knife after the initial drop, but it still kept going down. And the reason why is, and we haven't really picked it up here because we don't have any companies exposed to it, but it is the anti-obesity drugs 
which are being developed in the US. So there are two companies, two beneficiaries or two companies in development, Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly. And both of those are looking to get their anti-obesity drugs approved. Eli Lilly should have it approved by the end of the year. And both share prices are absolutely flying at the moment. At the beginning of the year, Eli Lilly was trading around $300. It's now double that, been up to $601. And Novo Nordisk at the beginning of the year was around $450. It's now $690. So Nova Nordisk has tripled in the last year and a bit. And Eli Lilly has almost sextupled in the last year and a bit. Sorry, not year and a bit, since 2020 in the last three years. And the suggestion is that these Wanda drugs reduce heart disease by 20%, which means the US government is going to get behind them as well as health insurers and eventually governments globally. So we have two winners, but on the flip side of this are companies that offer obesity treatments, which include, sort of include ResMed, but there are other NASDAQ-listed stocks, Medifast, Dexcom, Insulet, Weight Watchers, all of which are in the losers basket. And this is a big thing over in the States. And the natural switch is to be switching out of the losers into the winners and ResMed's in the losers basket. So it's under relentless pressure in the US at the moment. Having said that, brokers target prices, there are some, I know they're about 45% on average above the current share price, but some brokers clearly have some downgrading to do. UBS who are writing in the US about the US stock They recently dropped their target price by 36% and moved to a neutral recommendation. So some of the other brokers are probably going to be following suit, but still the UBS reworked target price was 16% above the current share price. So obesity drugs are not the end of ResMed. You can read a lot about it or listen to a few podcasts. It perhaps dents their long-term growth profile, but the share price is certainly adjusting for that as are the broker's opinions. And this is now a stock in a sentiment hole, so I'm still holding it. I know at some point there's going to be a relief rally. If you don't hold it, I wouldn't be buying it until that relief rally starts. And some brokers are suggesting these anti-obesity drugs are way ahead of themselves, a long way from becoming commonplace, and there is a lot of promise in it at the moment. So anyway, still holding Resmin. Otherwise, if you look at our ideas portfolio today, you'll see most of our stocks doing okay today resources are almost all in the money CSL doing nothing ResMed down and Elnas and Qantas pretty much flat as well so still holding hoping that we get a bit of momentum out of the US post that CPI number even though it hasn't happened on the first day there's nothing really to upset the market anyway not much else to go on today I've been through all the announcements there isn't much there apart from Maya results which doesn't interest many people so let's leave it there ASX 200 up 29. That's the high of the day. We were down eight at one point, being led by the resources sector up almost 1%. All the other sectors up except for healthcare, CSL and ResMed down, the two notable fallers in the top 20 stocks. The Dow futures up 43. The Nasdaq futures up 0.3 of a percent. These uranium stocks still kicking along. Paladin up 4.8%. And there we go. You have a fabulous day. I'll be back with the end of day podcast today. And that's about that.